Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews to the industry's hottest games. In episode 34, the Punchboarders talk about recent plays, get back to our review of the BGG Top 100, head on over to Clef's for a Kickstarter corner, and review the newest Spielworks game, Yincy. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. Now I'm Richie. So, hey, I, I got a phone call today from uh, Brent, who we went to Origins with, Chad. Oh, yeah. How's he doing? Uh, he's doing good. He's doing really good, but okay. he, was, he was a little worried about you. Uh, so, because, well, you guys, you know, shared a room, a hotel room there together. Yeah. And uh, he, he said you might have had a little bit of uh, night terror there. At some I thought we got out of the Origins episode without this story. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Oh, man. <laughs> so what happened there? Well, all right. Well, R- Richie probably doesn't even know about this yet. But No, I've never slept in a room with you. So I, <laughs> well, this I would is not, not be aware of night happens. terrors. <laughs> this does not happen uh, all the time. In fact, this happens Allegedly. very rarely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we were rooming together in in different rooms and we had we were set up basically for the CGE rooms they they had that block of rooms and the guy i was rooming with uh snored really really loudly nice guy really nice guy but snored loudly even on his side and i just did not get any sleep the first night i was i was sacked i was zonked so he was friends with Brent's roommate, and Brent was like, well, they already were talking about it. Why don't we just ask him, say, yeah, we, we want to switch. And I said, yeah, that'd be better because then I can I can sleep. You know, I just, I need it quiet. That would be awesome. And and so Brent willingly agreed, and, and that, that was nice. And that, that was that. That was the end of the story. Uh, I don't think that's the end of the story. <laughs> then, uh, so the first night you guys roomed together. Yeah, it was actually, we played we played Yinsi until late that night. Yes, yes. You're avoiding the subject <laughs> right now. Night terror is what we're talking about. Right? I know, but <laughs> we'll talk about Yinsi later on. So, well, all that is to say that I was really tired, okay? I was, I was really tired, and we finally got to sleep, and I just woke up. You ever wake up where you're, well, I, okay, I just woke up yelling and not even understanding quite the words that were coming out of my mouth. And I, I was having this dream that I was playtesting something and the designer was there and I was yelling and I said, you know what I really like about this game is that I've been playing for the last, I've been trying to do the same thing for the last hour and I can't do it. <laughs> I yelled that whole phrase really loudly. And of course I, I, I shot up and I was like really pissed off still and brand and brand gets up really quickly and goes into the bathroom and i was like i was terrified I know what to do. <laughs> and he peeked his head out of the bathroom at some point and i said brand i'm really sorry man i'm so i'm so sorry <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, what game were you playing? <laughs> I don't remember, but I was really mad. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that story. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so that after, after that, it was okay. Yeah, you, you didn't I didn't do that anymore. I got that out of my system. <laughs> we played, we played some good games after that. Oh boy! Oh I boy! I wasn't mad at any designers or publishers for real. <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, I'd hate for it to have been Ryan Courtney that you were trying oh, to yeah. tell today. Your <laughs> <laughs> game. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so Richie, you were telling me earlier that uh, your your wife's been making some cakes. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I found this interesting. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever, uh, Chad, have you ever seen Nailed It on Netflix? Yes. My wife, I mean, they, wa- they, they watch anything that has to do with baking on Netflix, Finn and Stephanie. So, yeah, I've, I've seen that. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but my wife, she can't cook. She can't bake. She's she's not allowed in the kitchen anymore. <laughs> I didn't so, even know that. No, <laughs> she's a terrible cook. Yeah. Do not eat anything that she puts out on the table. <laughs> wow. It's no good. See, wow. and I thought that I thought that these meals that were coming when you were hurt were just like to help her out. But no, <laughs> no. it was so you could survive. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> anything she makes is usually not edible wow and luckily i can say this because she didn't listen to the podcast yeah, <laughs> clearly <laughs> but she's doing a uh, nailed it competition at her work she's building a 3d owl now the the <laughs> and she's built about nine of them so far wow. only one of them has almost stood up I'll, I'll i'll show you guys a picture later maybe put it up in the the forums she probably won't appreciate that no either. we gotta see this though. i want that i want that on our social media <laughs> but the beauty of it is that the competition is starts next week so she's got to have it done this weekend and she takes it in monday and that's going to allow me to go play some games at uh, jake's this weekend so on saturday <laughs> yeah oh, she's that, gonna be baking that we i i know some people going actually on saturday in fact our friend rihanna who's a little bit newer to some of the games she's like i really want to play brass well, I want somebody to teach me brass. I go Ooh. if you go to if you go on Saturday, I just tell Clef, just whisper in his ear brass, and you will get to learn it. Give me some <laughs> tingly feelings, know, right? There. right? Ooh, and ooh. we get to meet Rihanna. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys, seriously, how many times you do think I have to she'll tell sing you? to me that? No, <laughs> she doesn't know Umbrella. Okay. Uh, does she see now what you need to do is if she gets good at it she can be like bryce's our friend bryce's wife who you know she decorates cakes for a living she does that and she makes bryce like board game cakes i mean these cakes are like the covers of his board games and they're they're amazing they are really amazing i will say the the her last attempt looked good she was having real issues with getting a cake that was structurally sound yeah and her last one it did tip over still but it at least looked like an owl when she was done with it. So, well, there you well, go. We'll She's see. getting better. But was it edible? I mean, she has not made that many edible cakes because a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Since it's 3D, she's got to use these round cake pans, mm-hmm. and so that it's not cooking all the way through. So most of them have not been edible. It's been—I don't even want to talk about the amount of money that has been thrown into this whole cake thing uh, since she started. But yeah, we have not eaten much cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if if she, like I said, if she gets good at it and she's working at the board game stuff, you know, then she could start with Great Western Trail. I'm sure she'll at least be able to do that one kind of close. What are you trying to say? Because it's an ugly cover. So yeah, yeah. That much. That is true. Oh, my God. Get out of here. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> well, okay. Let's, so let's, let's move on we, and get some board games. We know what's been baking at your house. What have you been playing at your house? Well, I finally got in franchise. So I know Chad's excited about this because of the artist. Yeah, you know, Tool. But you know what? I will say, I've seen the board, and I, I like the board layout, but the, the actual art, that's just that's the first time i've been just sort of okay <gasps> oh, on his his art oh my god oh, wow. you know tool you heard it here first chad doesn't like your art sorry <laughs> you're done out and i agree with you that the, the, not necessarily the board although i do like the board but not necessarily there's not that much art on the board but i do like the on the player mats yeah the player mats the unnecessary player unnecessary mats. And huge <laughs> you don't use them at all there's a little reminder of what your turn is like at the bottom and then the rest is just this big portrait of a like a 50s diners character those are really cool 
See, it's the 50s diner character that didn't jive with me. I don't mm. know why. Oh, see, I really like that. But anyways, so yeah, we've been playing franchise. I actually even got in a game with uh, Clef over here and uh, his son Mason. Yeah. But in franchise, it's an area control game. It was actually a little lighter than I was expecting. Yeah, because it's kind of an older game, it isn't is. it? It is. It's an yeah. older game. It's a re-implementation of... It's supposed to be like, you know, kind of that theme of merchants and kind of supplies and, and going out on that kind of merchant ta- chain. I think uh, the original designer was Chris Stewart Conrad, and I think it's this designer too, maybe. Uh, possibly. I don't have that in front of me. But yeah, I didn't even realize it was an older game now that you guys are bringing that up. Uh, in franchise, you are... Uh, you're building these franchises throughout the United States. And like I said, it's an area control game. So on your turn, you always start off your turn by taking income. And that depends on how many franchises are out there. And it also depends on what cities that you're in. So uh, if you are in like a large city, let's say like New York, and you're the only franchise in that city, your income is going to be way higher. And so as more franchises get built, uh, your income is going to start coming down during the game, and then uh, the rest of your turn is played out the same way. Everyone goes through the same phases, but you will you have this little expansion marker, which is like a little pawn. Uh, you will be able to expand out from one of your cities that you currently have a franchise in. Then after that, you can increase your market share in all of your franchises uh, or in all the cities where you already have a franchise. And then you're going to check to see if any cities are going to score. So in each city, they have these little tiles, uh, and depending on how large the city is, Depends on how many spots are on this tile, but let's say you're in New York, which has eight spots in it. So if at the end of your turn, you have absolute majority in that city, that city will score. Or if all the spots are filled in that city, that city will score. And so it's possible that multiple cities are going to trigger at the same time. And when you go and score, you're going to score the points that are in the middle of the uh, tile. So like in New York's case, if it has eight spots, you score eight points if you have absolute majority. Uh, If you tie with another player, you split the points evenly. Uh, round it down if you need to. If all the city tiles have scored in that region, then that region will score as well. And so when you go to score the region, you're just looking at to see how many franchises are in that region from each player and whoever has the most will win. Uh, There's a tiebreaker. So like the first person who scored in that region for the first time will own the tiebreaker for that region. And then you will take that uh, region tile and you'll place it down at the bottom. There's this little track that Uh, count uh, that's like the uh, game timer and you'll place it there whoever places the tile will score a number of points that are above that spot for the track and then eventually you'll get into there's this little section on the track that has uh, three spots that are surrounded by a red box as soon as you place one in there that's going to be it that game's over and then you will count out uh, there's some in-game scoring and then that's really it I mean that's all you're doing on your turn get your income expand increase market share and possibly score and you just keep going and I don't mind it. I thought it was good for what it is. I would, I definitely want to try it because we I've only played it at three player, three player, two player so far. And so part of the map is completely blocked off. So I do want to try it with five. I think that would be ideal in that game because it's going to move quick. You have the full map open to you. I, I want to see that play out. Yeah, I would think as a two player game, it would be a little bit lackluster considering what it is. Almost like playing power grid at really low low uh player player counts yeah two wasn't great because i mean the even though part of the map is blocked off you can still avoid each other and you're just 
in a city by yourself for the most part until someone starts to creep in. Uh, another thing that I really do like in the game as far as, and this kind of plays into the art as well, is that there's a bunch of different roads and different road sizes and that depending on the size of the road, it will tell you how much it costs to expand to that city, um, which was interesting. I don't know, Clef, what do you think? Um, well, it was a little bit late when you taught me and... I, I think I kind of wasn't a hundred percent positive on what was going on, even since it was a little bit lighter. And I think that, uh, my son Mason, he really, he caught on quickly Yeah, he and did. he really, uh, there was those cards that you got at the beginning of the game that you could toss away for oh, yeah, extra a little actions, bonus tiles. Yep. or you could hold on to them and get some points at the end of the game. Well, let's just say I ended up with all four of mine left over at the end of the game. And both Mason and Richie had zero of theirs at the end of the game. And I came in way, way far in third place. So I think it was really key to use those cards in key situations to help you expand and help keep you going and keep your income going. Um, I missed a really obvious move early in the game where I should have went to like Chicago or something for a better thing. And I didn't mm. realize that I had a road there because the board is a little... It is a little busy because there is a lot of roads going all throughout it. And if you don't really pay attention to what road goes where, that you can kind of mess up on that. It is busy, but I have to say, when I looked at that board, I think he designed it the best way he could design it. Because, I mean, oh, yeah. there are so many mm -hmm. different roads and it's very clear which colors and thickness of line and stuff. Yeah. I, I just think there was a lot he had to convey and I thought it was pretty smart yeah. uh, as far as I could tell yeah. from not having played the game. Yeah, and I just looked at a picture of the old <laughs> the old board and yeah, he, he did a good job. <laughs> so <laughs> it's much better. Yeah, I would think so. Well, that's, uh, let's see, that was Franchise by Chris Vort, Conrad and Queen Games, huh? That's right. Well, you, both of you, but Clef, I want to hear about it because I know you got your cards in for Lorenzo. Right? Uh, yes, I sure did. Obviously, one of Richie and I's top favorite games. Uh, yeah, Richie's one of the best one. games out there. Uh, yeah. Um, one thing always has been with Lorenzo, the cards themselves have always been the same uh, cards that come out every single game. So you know you're always going to see every single card. So we got in these, this is a new expansion. It was actually, to, or not, it was a new Kickstarter, I guess, yeah. which was really for the digital game. Yep. And this was a added bonus add-on for and it this is and really the best part of that kickstarter yeah that's really <laughs> all sure. i cared about it I, I i've had the code to download the uh the game and i've not even come close to it now granted richie can talk about that a little bit more here in a second because he's tried it and it sounds like it's not great <laughs> no no but uh but the cards themselves so now they added new cards in so instead of always knowing which cards come out now it's kind of a randomness of which ones come out now there's only four extra than there were in each of the ages and colors but that still makes it a lot more uh, just a little bit more variable and the cards that they did add eh, a little bit more uh, tacky like there's one that will be like you have to your opponent has to destroy a yellow or a green building uh, one that's like you know you you get to take money or victory points for mom did you say tacky or a tacky a tacky a tacky sorry i heard tacky as well but uh, yeah, I was, right? I just i'm not say familiar with the word attacky i just assumed it was tacky that means you attacky your opponent <laughs> <laughs> got it got it thanks for clearing that up hey no problem uh, so yeah so the, the cards themselves uh is richie and i kind of just, just were discussing a little bit ago the cards themselves are okay they're nothing spectacular but i think just adding that random and variability part to it really made it a lot better for me yeah especially when you throw in the the expansion as well so you have that fifth tower where you have mm -hmm. a bunch of cards coming out as well so it's nice to especially since we've played it so many times you know you don't know exactly what's going to come out on the 
the main board. So that's interesting because you hear a lot of people say sometimes, I like knowing every card that I'm going to see so I can strategize a little bit more. But in this, it doesn't it doesn't hit you that way, huh? No, and I mean, and I wouldn't even say most, even when it was just the same cards, it wouldn't be like I'd be like, oh, I know next round that guy's going to come out, so I'm going to strategize for him. Um, there's so much going on in that game, I don't even think I, I'm, at least I'm not that advanced in the game. But uh, it just, I guess, it's just more of a randomness of, you know, of kind of seeing what comes out maybe as opposed to... Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I do like... I like to dilute the pool a little bit so that I'm not seeing the same things every game. I just think what they've done with that game has just made it better and better and better every single time oh, yeah. that they've improved it. And, Ex- yeah. Except for the app. Uh-oh. Don't. Okay. <laughs> the app, it's in, so they gave us our Steam codes and it's in early release. Keep that in mind. But they have completely changed all icons. So that's the, the first mistake. Like wood does not look like wood? or Nope. They what? got all different icons. And, oh and like, so when you go to a tower, like it's not a picture of the card because that would be too easy and that would make way too much sense. So it's all these new symbols for different things. So like faith now is like a, like a purple square or something like it's either like a red or a purple square. It's completely, it's bad. Oh <laughs> and the, and the, the interface is just, it does not work. And then on top of it, I've played it four times, but I have not finished the game yet because every time I get out my third leader, it crashes the game. <laughs> so that's oh. where we are right now. It's a good thing that the reason I kickstarted it was for those cards and not for that. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's why I, I mean, I, I really don't care. I do not care about the, the digital uh, version of the game. I really just wanted those cards. If they just took out the digital version, I think I put this in the comments of the Kickstarter. I would have paid this. It was like 15 bucks, right? Yeah. I would have paid that just for the cards. Yeah, I agree. I probably would have paid 20 bucks just for yeah. a, deck, a new deck of cards. Yeah. So Maybe throw in a couple of new leaders or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's all I needed. Hmm. Well, the cards are the best part, so that's we're good with that. So, Chad, tell me about Space Corps 20,099,042. Close. Did I get it? Did I get no. it? No. Oh, uh, no. By the way, don't do these. I mean, like, if you want to look it up on BGG, Space Corp has to be all one word you know and i don't know i I get it maybe just say space corporation maybe that's not as cool but some of these hard to find titles don't make any sense at least they spelled it right you know like there's no umlaut over the o or something like that but (laughs) uh space corp 2025 dash 2300 ad that's that's the whole title right i think that's pretty close yeah that's (laughs) that's an easy title to find Anyway, I, I'll try to recall uh, recall this because it's been talked about a lot from last year, and I played it at Geekway to the West when we were there. But I played the it's it's from GMT and John Butterfield, and it's interesting. It it, it reminds me in a really weird way of the colonists in that there are three eras that you're going to play this game, and hence hence that years span in the title. So you're gonna. I, I don't remember. There's like a Starfarers. I can't remember which era that is, but there's three separate eras. The first era is essentially just teaching you kind of very slowly how to build up and play the game. Very, very simple and not very satisfying to play just through that first era. The second era is much, much bigger. And that I played through that one. And then the third era, we flipped the board over and I'm 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 honestly kind of glad that we didn't play that era because it just looked so long and huge. And I only played this as a two player. And again, it was just that one play. I did enjoy 
really some things about it, but but I'll get to to what it does essentially. You are basically out and your corporation in space and you're trying to explore and control different planets and get resources and discover different things. You have and Clef, I think this is what you would find interesting in the game. You have in front of you what's called an infra. And this infra is like a board of actions. Okay. And you have base actions basically on there that you can do. The base actions are research, explore, move, and build, essentially. And again, like a lot of GMT games, this game is card-based. So you're getting cards into your hand from this deck, and they do different things. They will give you points, action points, so to speak, to do those different things. But you can choose to take a turn to play the card down to your infra, And then it sits there permanently and covers up one of the spots. And then that adds on to the next time whenever you do an action, essentially. So it makes your actions more powerful. But then you're constantly kind of saying, do I want to take a turn to do this and have it permanently? Because there's so much about kind of racing out there and exploring. It's very important to kind of get ahead of, of other other players to do that. Because you want to find the valuable things. And there there are certain... I can't think of the name of them, but they're almost like objective cards that you're going for too. They're helpful, and then you're getting upgrades on your, you know, on your research and stuff like that. For example, there are certain technologies that you can go for, of course, like a lot of these games. And when you move, when you get to a certain part on the second board, the second era, you get out and you're by these like huge suns and solar systems. And so to move and to build and to explore and stuff, you don't have shielding on your ship. And you will get kind of melted, basically. You need that that solar shielding. And so it, it will it will kind of hurt your ship. So anyway, one of the technologies you can have, which I found to be very valuable, is to get that shielding for all your actions and stuff like that. But anyway, I found that part of it to be really interesting. Like, how do I optimize and get out front and do these certain things? And your movement can only go so far. So sometimes you're jumping out to a star and you're building like a, a base on it so that your movement can go farther and that sort of thing as you're kind of racing across the planet. So did you like this game? Well, that was the thing. There were some things that I really, really liked about it, but then there were some things that I I didn't like about it. Now, the card draw, it can really, you're waiting sometimes to really upgrade and and be really good at certain things. And sometimes you're not going to, like I found myself being really good at moving, for example, because I was trying to get out ahead. And my opponent was, uh, was really good at building and doing some explore stuff, but he couldn't move out there as fast. You know, there are also certain cards that combo. So maybe this one that you put in your infra has an explore and a move or that kind of stuff. But you are dependent on the card draw to a certain extent. That did not bother me as much as it did bother me to land and explore on something and turn over the chit and it was like a bad alien you know, attack or something like that. Now, there aren't very many of these, but it just feels really bad when somebody races to a planet to get there and they flip over the token and it's not, you know, it. when you're talking about stuff that is a race, it feels like it sets you back a little bit. Like now, this is much harder to build on this planet when you, when you had planned for something totally different, for example. And there weren't, again, there weren't many of them, but the guy who taught me, who was really nice, he got most of them. And it just felt like, 
it just felt bad for me that it affected him. You know, he loves the game, but I just felt like, oh, that doesn't feel so good. You know, when you when you have somebody flip that over and it's like, ugh, well now I'm I'm hamstrung this turn because I can't do what I thought I was going to do by just the flip of this tile. And again, there aren't very many of them, but it just huh. that was one thing that bothered me about it. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit of uh, Twilight Imperium three that had a expansion thing in it called Distant Suns. It was the same type of thing where you'd go to a planet and you'd flip it over. Sometimes you'd get good stuff and sometimes you would totally get screwed and you would not get the planet. And it was always like a just a huge defeat when you wouldn't get a planet. Right. Yeah. And when so when I'd flip over stuff and get like huge I mean big swings of of, you know, explore points or, or whatever. Again, I, I'm trying to remember this game, but it, it it just felt like, oh, that was that was bad. But like I said, if somebody it didn't make me want to rush out and own it, but if somebody wanted to play it again, I'd definitely be happy to play it. As long as we all kind of knew that that those were out there. But I don't think I'd want to play the third age because the third age is so big that you have like you get to these planets and there's this grid by the planet where this is five move because it's light years. And this is another five move because it's light years. And it's just like just to move to this planet, you go into this like light year movement mm. where it's just, it's going to take, and again, you're going to have to build up your move that much, but still there are trying to uh, simulate, you know, what, what time might be in these far reaches of space and stuff. But it, it just felt like that was just one step too far for me. So how long did the two-player game take? The two-player game with the teach and stuff took about probably three hours playing for, through two two eras. It wasn't that bad. And it huh. would have gone really quicker if you could, you know, if, if everybody knew what they were doing, I think. And I would imagine, and I didn't look to see this, but I would imagine even just like the colonists, there's a way to sort of, or somebody's figured out a way to sort of set up your first, you know, your first move or your first era stuff so that you could just play the second era. And then maybe going through the second and third might be better. I don't know, but I, I did enjoy it and I enjoyed learning it. There were just a couple of niggling things that bothered me about it. Mm. But yeah, that's uh, Space Corps by John Butterfield and GMT Games. All right, no, that's great. Now let's move on over to Clef's Kickstarter Corner. All right, so for my Kickstarter... What, Chad? I, I, I want to talk about fashion today. I, I know that of this group, I am the one that really oh. is, is the one that is most... Fashionable? Fashionable? <laughs> yeah. You're wearing yeah. a t-shirt right now that has like a mummy on it or something. Mummies are hot this year, <laughs> as is the color purple. <laughs> okay. You didn't Talk know to that. us about fashion then, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, for Clef's Kickstarter Corner, I'm co-opting it. I'm trying to find as many C words as I can. I <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Predaporte by Portal Games and Ignacy Chevichek. And this is the third edition that they're releasing here. I'm really excited for this. I'm I'm really excited. And and Richie, I know is is on the on the fashion train too. Where I am, yeah. See, I am. Uh, I, I don't have anything to do with the fashion train. I just I don't have a portal game that I like. So I'm always really there. see. I love portal games. Yeah, I, even I, despite. Bad rule books. Bad rule books. Yep. yep. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not as big of Imperial Settlers fan as you guys. It's just an okay game for me. I didn't like. I hated Cry Havoc. Legacy. Um, Legacy the of Duke de Cresci. Uh, you like that bad game. game? Yeah, that was you know. But for the most part, I'm not have been excited about portal games. Sure. You guys. So I am more than happy for you guys to back this. 
I've got Demacher on my back. I've got a much better game. So you guys can talk about your <laughs> Well, you be quiet. I'll do German We're politics. Talk about, you guys do fashion. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about fashion because this is a worker placement game. It is. He's called it a heavy economic game, a heavy economic simulation of the fashion industry. I, I'd say medium to medium heavy, maybe in that Rococo vein. Um, and it, it looks really great. You're You're taking out your workers each month of the year and you're going to go out to the board and build up your fashion infrastructure for example you're getting buildings or rooms that you're trying to add on to your fashion industry you're you're having contracts with certain people you're hiring uh people as well so you're going out to the board and getting these things and then you have to obviously pay them you are trying to get a lineup for fashion shows and there are certain lineups that you can do you're you're grabbing style uh, excuse me you're grabbing designs that you're going to try to fulfill with with these resources so can i get kate upton to be in my lineup is that uh, is that she available i don't think so oh. <laughs> all right continue She's not Sorry. talking to you <laughs> They, uh, th- this looks to be a, a really great game and, and I've been hearing about it actually for a really long time. And I, I appreciate that, uh, they had talked about the video game industry, but I'm actually more excited to have it as a, as a fashion game. Cause there really aren't that many and it's not like people are, are creating a lot either. So, right. And they, I mean, they did a fantastic job with the production, at least what it looks like so far. Right, right. Quan Chai Moria did the art and it looks really fantastic. Looks looks like Who, a lot of fun. Who's the designer of this game? The designer is Ignacy Chevichek. Oh, he's actually the yep. designer mm-hmm. of it. Okay. Yeah, he he designed it the the first edition quite a while back. I don't know, maybe 2012 or 13 maybe, something like that. And uh hmm. so, yeah, it, it looks like a great economic simulation and how, how what's what's the uh regular pledge is there like yeah the regular or? pledge is the fashion industry shark level which of course that's i mean when you look at me that's what you think so i'm all in on that <laughs> and it's a 60 dollar pledge and then it ships to anywhere in the world i imagine there's a little bit of an extra shipping cost there yeah for us in the states unless you're in poland it is free right yep what and, about antarctica what is the shipping to Antarctica for our Antarctica listeners? I'm not sure which. Oh, okay. uh, we'll get so back to you. We'll get back to that one Antarctica <laughs> listener. <laughs> and it, it's supposed to uh, it's supposed to happen in October. It's supposed to fulfill, excuse me, in October. Oh, wow. That's a really quick turnaround. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if that happens for yeah, Essen we'll here. Yeah. And I know they're having uh, guest artists for the stretch goals, which I think is really cool. So I know like Ryan Locke is one. Uh, what else is on there, Chad? Oh, well, some of, I mean, these are some great artists, and one of them is, uh, you said Ryan Lockett, one of them is David Cochard, who actually did Dungeon Pets and Tosh Kalar, some of those great ones, which I love Dungeon Pets art. Okay, let's, and, let's go to another one. Uh, Mihalo, <laughs> Mihalo Dimitrievsky oh. from Raiders of the North Sea and that those trilogies that uh, Shim Phillips has been doing. There we go. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing one of your copies. Yeah, so by the time people listen to this, it should go up. There should be about two or three days left in the Kickstarter. So I definitely suggest checking it out because I have heard that they're really only going to do this one by Kickstarter. Now, you hear that a lot, but I, I, it could be a possibility since the game's already been out before. Yeah, I think it's. I think it will go to retail eventually, but I don't think they're... I think, or actually, I don't actually. I don't think it's going to go to retail. I think they will distribute it from their site, uh, uh, pretty much only. But um, just a little aside, Pearl Games 
because Predator Porter did not do well when it first came out, much like Ginkopolis. And I mean, it funded in like 40 minutes and yep. it's still climbing. Right. So reprint Ginkopolis. R- right. I mean, come on, Pearl Silly. Games. Pearl Games. Okay. So you're well, going to. Maybe they just don't like money. You're going to you're <laughs> going to talk to Sebastian when you're at Gen Con. And I know you're not quite as persuasive as Richie, but Clef, you need to talk to Sebastian about Ginkopolis. All right. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to be the uh, changing vote. In mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is Predaporte by Portal Games and Ignacy Chebicek. Check it out. All right. Well, last episode, guys, we had to skip this because Chad and I talked way too long about our origin strip. So let's get back on the bandwagon and head through number 30 through 21 of the BGG Top 100. So at number 30, we have Food Chain Magnate. Yes, that is from Splatter Spellin, and the designers are Yurun Domin and Yoris Versinga. Uh, yeah, I I believe that's right. Sounds right to me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's talk about this. I, I like this game, Food okay. Chain. Richie, have you gotten to play this one? I, I have. Okay, all right. Yep. And? It's a game. Oh, come on. Yeah, you I, you said know what? you would play it again. I love the 50s diner look, for sure. Yeah? And I love the card, the, the art on the cards. This is so, also good. what about the game? Play? Oh, the game. Yes. It's okay. Yeah, I would try it again. I don't... It's not at the top of my list of, of games to play again. See, I am surprised you didn't like this game more because it seems like a Richie game. Like, oh, let me undercut you and sell this lemonade so that you have all your burgers go bad and you, you can't do anything. I enjoyed like the management system of the cards. I really did enjoy that. But that, there were some, I can't, and I, it's been so long since I've played it, but I, there were some things with it, with the promoting that I didn't like, if I remember correctly. And then that board looked terrible. Like a little prototype board, and I will give you that. I will give you that. Um, you and it, and I think it easier. went on a little too long for what I was looking for. Yeah, uh, and you so you only played it the one time. Yeah, just once. Okay. So, I mean, I've played it ten plus times, and used to own it, and I actually traded it away, and not necessarily because I didn't think it was a good game, but I just kind of felt like I had played it enough for what I had wanted out of it. Um, it got to a point where there was a little bit of a, this is the strategy you go with with the cards, and so then that's kind of the road you went down. It wasn't any more of a, oh, I wonder, you know, because it really didn't make a difference, even with the board being different. That didn't make a big difference in what you were doing necessarily. It was a, you either went after this strategy or you went after this strategy, and that's kind of where you went, you know, and if you didn't really pound that strategy, then you could get left behind and you wouldn't get the... uh Oh, what are they called? I can't think of the right the name of them. The things that you get if you get there first, the achievements, the milestones, the milestones. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it just got to a point where it was, you know, I, I just I was done with it. I guess yeah. if you don't watch out for those milestones, and you know, they they don't they are unapologetic about their game design. I think if you don't watch out for those milestones, it can definitely be a rich get richer yeah. proposition because it's just like I'm gonna snag this game breaking yeah. ability and this game breaking ability and this one. Now, granted, I haven't played it. In now, probably maybe two years now, I would guess. Mm. So I would guess now, like if, because Chad, do you own this one? 
I do. Okay. I, like if you said, hey, let's the three of us sit down and give this a shot again, I, I'd be in for it. Well, are you getting the ketchup expansion? I, I was really looking at that ketchup mechanism expansion, but the problem is it's like, oof, I think when I last saw it, it was over it was over a hundred dollars if you're not if you're getting it. Ninety eight maybe on on just for the expansion? Yeah, isn't that just the price for of the, the game? Expansion. No, that is not. Well, that's the that's the price that's of the sale game price. Wants, of the yeah, game, exactly. Yeah. And and ninety eight is on miniature market. I think ninety three or ninety eight. It's in I, the nineties. All I'm hearing is excuses here, Chad. Let's step up to the <laughs> you know what? Yeah, all right? I, I agree. We, we all buy it, yeah, right? And then I'm going to buy it, and, and you guys yours, will be like, yes. "Yeah, <laughs> no, don't feel like it." Thanks, <laughs> Richie and I. We will promise to play it if he gets the catch. Yes, I will. There we go. All right. All right. All right, moving on. Let's move to number 29. Ooh, we're getting up here, guys. Blood Rage. Eric Lang and Simon. Or is it come on? It's come on now. It's come it's, on. It's something even different than that now. Like the last I, time I heard I don't it, know. I still, I still call them I still on. call them cool mini or not a lot of no, the time. No, I mean like it's not even it's like a new way to say it or come yeah. on. Is it? Is it? Always supposed to see on. Come on, games. Don't they do that like for like ESPN? Like when someone makes a bad or I don't know. There's come like on, a, man. Yeah. That's what it is, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> all right. uh, so I'm assuming we've all played this. Yeah. And this uh, is this is one where because I know Chad does not like this, but he likes Godfather, and this is where his, his love of theme and doing bad Italian accents overrides because blood rage is a better game than godfather but he you still own godfather don't you Mm -hmm, yeah yeah and you wouldn't touch blood rage i i touched blood rage i played it i i just didn't feel the need to own it i touched blood rage owned it and got rid of it and i'm surprised you owned it never want to play it again yeah i was one of those i walked into the game shop and bought you know seven games just because i had a 20 percent off coupon and so i just thought i had to buy as much (laughs) as i could uh, not for me. I just, I, I, the thing that I hate the most about the game is how you can only have so many pieces in one area. Like you can't, I yeah. just, it just always frustrated me. I mean, that's one of many things I don't like about the game, but I, you know, Eric Lang and, and come on are just not my, my cup of tea of games. See, that's, I still think you, you would like this better cause you're, you can draft those cards. I mean, there's a lot of things, but you also just played base, right? You just played base game. Do you play with the Mystics? Uh, no, I think I played with the Mystics okay. and stuff. Yeah, see, I like it with the, I like it with the Mystics. Uh, yeah, I can see you liking this better than Chad and I. Just, just not our. And it seems company. like, I mean, Kemet's the only like it's still in that almost in the same vein as Kemet. See, I think Kemet is thousand times better than Blood Rage. I mean, I agree just, with you, but it I, like so it's in that better. same vein where you're drafting. You have the card combat. Yeah, you're trying it, to mess around with people yeah, still in the area you're control. Still, that's randomness where, you know, in Kimmet, you have your set cards that you always get to use. And I don't know. I, I hmm. just, it just didn't work for me. Just, you know, a game I like. I would just say, you know, if, if this clears it up for you, I'd just say, if if my son wanted to play it, I, I you know, I'd play that game. If I could get it for really, really cheap, then I'd play it with him because he would you know it's the kind of game that he might like i suppose but you know it i don't i just don't get to put money in my suitcase so you know <laughs> that's the that's Ooh, the problem I have and number 28 <laughs> is ugh, a feast for odin god we're rolling through bad ones right now guys uh, <laughs> oh man uh i i hate this game 
you are you are really bad at this. Like he, have you played this yet? I I played it a couple of times. I just yeah. haven't played, you haven't it with played Clef. It with... He is really bad. Oh at yeah, this if game. you want to beat me, <laughs> not that I'm playing it again, but I hate this <laughs> game. I don't like the fact that Maybe I'm having for my to deal birthday. With... <laughs> <laughs> Clef, it's Enough. my Enough. birthday. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to feed the people and I got to figure out some puzzle to feed the people. I can't put blue next to red or green next to orange. And then I got to do this Tetris puzzle. And then I got to randomly draw these weapons. And if I don't get a right weapon, I can't do this. <laughs> and then I got 70,000 spots to put my people at. See, I love that. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, I love all that going this on. Is a new, <laughs> this is a new oh. segment. It's like Grumpy Cat Clef oh talks about board games. <laughs> and usually, I mean, you usually like a lot of stuff going on at once, but this just this just goes over uh, the threshold. Just, yeah, no, I, I like much more like the, the less actions and more, you know, you really have to think through your stuff. I, I don't. You See, have I'm to a, think through your stuff with Feast nah, for Red. I don't know. It's yeah, just, you got to do a lot of planning It's the same thing for me, like, you know, the other game that you guys like a lot, the uh, the two-player game, uh, Fields of Arl. You know, just, just I don't know, there's just, it's just too much going on. I don't feel like I'm restricted enough. He I likes, like, like 10 choices, and he likes so. to have his hand slapped when he reaches for five of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Just give me brass and let's move on. Well, <laughs> okay, he, you guys can talk about Feast for Odin, how much you love it. I did pick up the expansion, and it adds more action space. I have played the expansion. Oh, my, really? My friend Dan said, play, let's play the expansion. You're like, oh, my God. It's still just... Uh, that was. Didn't we play it together? Wasn't that me, you, and him? Me, you, and Dan played, but yeah. we did not play with the expansion. Oh, well, let's just... It's funny. Let's he got you to play it again. No, maybe not. Man, I don't know. Those maybe guys. I thought that was that. All right. All right well, that's okay. Feast for Odin from Uva Rosenberg. And Lookout Games? Is this Lookout or is it Mayfair? Z-Man. Oh, my bad. Z-Man. Z-Man. All right. Good. I'm glad we moved on from that one. All right. Number 27 is Orléans. Hey, very good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I've, we've all played this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's in my top five for Ooh, me. Ooh, that's top, top five. That's nice. Mm. still surprises me, top five. I mean, I like it, but I don't... It's okay. It's just an okay game for me. Chad, is it... I enjoy it, but I talk about how much I enjoy it, and I never really get to play it. I mean, mm -hmm. Vince, our friend Vince, he really... This is, I think, his favorite game. Mm -hmm. And so if if he's around, then we'll play it because he really likes it. it. It did go up with that expansion. Like, the expansion is what puts this over something yeah. like yeah. an Alti, Altiplano for, for real. I mean, yeah. I know Altiplano is not hugely loved by us, but... Because of the expansion, there's a lot more to do and think through and, yeah. and how you thin your bag out. So why do you like this so much, Richie? Oh, I, I like the bag building, and the expansions do increase it for me. I played, like, I've played the cooperative with Jessica before. They also have like a two-player version that's in there. And I just like the bag building, the trying to set up your turns to trigger all your actions at once. And also it has the technology tiles where you can get your own mm -hmm. kind of own special spots where you can go to. That's Agreed. Like I even like the solo game. Like I like the yeah, simplest, yeah. the simplest one. But I even like the solo game for this. Hmm, interesting. And of course, Richie has that beautiful deluxe thing that uh, Chad won't play without. So. <laughs> That's why we haven't played Yokohama. And That's right. Chad can't play without years. the nice blocks. Did, did those when blocks you get that in? in? Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, there's their finalized art for Duel. They keep sending me updates. You keep sending me stuff about. Stuff I don't want to hear about. Just when am I getting my bits? Give me my big wooden blocks. So, yeah, that is Orléans from Reiner Stockhausen and DLP and TMG Games. Oh, boy. Number 26. This is not my list. Uh, I'm loving this. Yeah, this is a Richie list. 
Mansions of Madness Second Edition. So I have not played this. I think I've asked to play this, though, haven't I? And yeah, you, you have asked, no. and um, you're you, not allowed to play you it. Don't wanna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, you don't want to be miserable. No. <laughs> you like this game, Richie. <laughs> I'd play it with your sons. Okay. Yeah, they'd probably enjoy it. <laughs> I love it. I would love it if Richie came over. Oh, hey, Clef. No, you can't play it. <laughs> what are you doing here, Richie? Um, I'm here to play with Mason and Devin. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, I will say it has it slipped a little bit. It's still in my top 10. It's slipped a little bit. One, and I'm starting to get this with games where there's too much stuff now for okay. this. They just keep putting out expansions, keep putting out expansions, and I, I, I got to tap out. Because they, I think it's like, a, I think they're on a monthly or a quarterly, I don't know. But they're putting out way too much stuff and I can't keep up. But with a game like this, if it is your favorite game, they need to do that because you play one of those scenarios and if you beat it, you're kind of done with it, aren't you? Yeah, you can play, you know, scenarios more than once and most likely, especially with the longer ones, you're not going to beat it on your first try. And just the way that we play games. Well, yeah, know. that's the big point <laughs> right. right there. So, and yeah, just for, for you know, myself, I... It does not hit the table enough to justify keeping up with all the the expansions. Now, see what's interesting to me because I played this too, and I, I thought it was kind of I thought it was, my play of it was kind of fun. It was around Halloween last year, and so we we're like, yeah, let's do that. But they recently had that Journeys into Middle Earth, the Lord of the Rings game, yeah. come out with an app, and they've said this is kind of what that is. And I have been really intrigued because, you, as you know, Cthulhu does nothing for me. And I love the Lord of the Rings stuff. But from what I've heard, I think the Secret Cabal did a review recently. The Lord of the Rings stuff is kind of ancillary. Like, it doesn't feel... It feels like it's in generic fantasy, which, of course, J.R.R. Tolkien pretty much invented, you know, generic fantasy. But it doesn't really feel like it's part of the Lord of the Rings canon, I guess. And so, I don't... I mean, a game like this, that's what I'd want. I mean, because I'm not picking it up for the mechanisms, I don't think. So I, I, I've just been intrigued, but it's sort of warned me away a little bit. Well, you know how I feel about elf ears, so. I do. Those, <laughs> those turn you on. <laughs> Real question is, what's Jessica feel about elf ears? <laughs> that was Mansions of Madness from Fantasy Flight and designer Nikki Valens. All right, number 25. I think this is the second time we've had this on this list is whatever edition, yeah. but this is Agricola. The 2007 version, though, the original version. Okay. But sh there are very minor things, I think, in the revised edition, yeah, though I do not own it. One of those weird things, and uh, we've pretty much talked about this one. It's, you know, great game. Um, not as good as another game. Yeah, well... <laughs> That we're going to talk about here for well, you up. Listen, I really like this game, though. The more I play this game, the more I like it. And you like handcuffs. You should like this game more. I, I do enjoy this. And I've always said I liked this better than its uh, predecessor. That uh, Predecessor? It's, yeah. Uh, no. 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 It's, well, this is its this predecessor. Is predecessor yeah. yeah, whatever. I don't really speak the English language, just so people know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, you know, I, I do like it. Um I just, for me, Lahav is is where my still my love is of of his games and I yes, like that. even but I, this is some very people different. say that's not a very handcuffy type of game, but yeah, I, well, I, you're just, I mean, you're just not that big of a Rosenberg fan, no, anyways, no, I'm not, so. no, it's, it's he's not up there for me, but all right, well, that is on. that okay. is Agricola by Uva Rosenberg and Lookout Games, or one of those. Boy, I am going through a terrible top ten here, guys. Number <laughs> twenty four is Mage Knight, the board game. 
I have not played, played it. No. This is one that we have none of us have played. Even oh my goodness. even oh, okay. me that is a big uh, Vlada Khvatal fan. I, I've never played this one. Oh, I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of warned away from it just because it's so it can be so long that the people who really seem to love it are the solo gamers. Solo, actually, yeah, let's say I thought mainly most people are buy it for solos. Yeah, like. and and if you play it, I've heard you know just two player, which you know I don't know anybody else right now who has it that would readily bring it out. So I I would try it one time. Hmm. It's a it's it's a deck builder essentially. You're doing all your actions and stuff through moving around and yeah. fighting stuff through through deck building. I mean, so it's not just strictly a deck builder, but that's one of the main mechanisms. That pique your interest there, uh, uh, Cliff? Not at all. <laughs> I am good that this is one that I have not played, and but this is unusual for none of us to play one of the games. All right. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, twenty three has rescued me. Brass. Lancashire, <laughs> your favorite game. You're uh, gonna need to learn how to pronounce that one. Uh, Lancashire. Well, I'll just I'll just have Ben Maddox pronounce it for me, and maybe I can just dub it over every time from now on. <laughs> ben, will you do that for me? Just like say the whole title, and then every time I say it, we'll just dub in Ben, and then and it'll act like I'm saying it. That'll be great. You know, you're just gonna get a Twitter response of him just writing it for you <laughs> phonetically. I'm sure. Lancashire, Brass Lancashire, Martin Wallace, and the newest print of this is from Roxley Games. I suppose we really don't need a lot of talk about it. It's literally one of the best games of all time. Yeah, we all love it. It's all in our top ten. It is an amazing game. I will play it at any point. I'll play it at any player count. Um, I really I enjoy the two player second uh, the yeah, other the side little, of the board. I think the other side of the map is really. I really like doing that playing two player, but I'll play it on the other side. I I, I just love this game. I I cannot speak enough about it, and I'm just not even going to let you guys talk about it. It's Brass so is like almost <laughs> the opposite of green eggs and ham for you. Like you would I, I would yeah. play it in all those places. I would play it on a train. I'd <laughs> play it in a uh, with bathroom. Rihanna, with Willie Nelson, with, with Snoop Dogg, with. Ooh, I don't know. With Stoop Dog, I might have a hard time. Uh, I might have a hard time concentrating. <laughs> All right. Next, we've got number 22, Caverna, the Cave Farmers. So, this is, of course, the game we were speaking of just a moment ago when we were talking about Agricola. The game Richie was speaking of. Yes. Well, yes. And well, it, I mean, it, it's rightfully above its predecessor. Ooh, shots fired, Chad. How do you respond to that? Some people, I mean, you want to talk about theme. Some people really like the cave-dwelling theme and the adventuring theme much more than, you know, 17th century dirt farming, which I understand. I totally get that. But yeah, what's, what's wrong with a little dirt farming? There, the, uh, <laughs> no, I people don't, like fun. Fun. That's what people like. Fun. The, me <laughs> the mechanism of your cards is much more interesting to me than having a whole bunch of buildings you can buy out at once. Like you were saying, I, I like the restriction. No, I'll, I'll play both these games, but I just think Agricola is a little bit of a tighter design. And now with the um, Forgotten Folks, I mean, it is, it just, it's bashed in Agricola. Crickle <laughs> is laying on the floor. It's just, it's I, I will say, I mean, I didn't really like Caverna when I played it, you know, a long time ago. And Richie, the couple of weeks ago, oh, maybe it's been a month, we played. Yeah, with Josh. The, uh, yeah, with Josh with the uh, Forgotten Folks. And uh, is that what it's called? The Forgotten Yes. Folks? Yep. And with those those player powers, and I liked it a lot better. I liked 
it made me feel a little bit more restricted because it's like I this is yes. what I'm after type of thing, and I liked that. In that and almost all all the powers have like a negative and a positive to them, and plus, uh, as far as the building tiles, I will agree that if you're just playing base Caverna, like once you really get good at it. I mean, you know, I mean, those building tiles are out there and it's going to be a race to certain ones. But with the with the uh, Forgotten Folk, you're replacing like maybe 10 of those buildings in a game. I think it's four. Right. Maybe it, it's Something more than that. Lines, yeah, it's yeah. like 12. You're replacing like 12 because it's like I think it's four per player or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think with that, the, the player powers and the changing of the buildings that that I don't, I don't even need to look. At Agricola again. Well, wow. and I will say for some people, there are some people who say, you know, I don't like this game because it puts me on rails. In other words, if I have this player power, I have to play this way. And this player power, I have to play this way. So if you're that person, you probably don't want the Lost Folk expansion, but it Forgotten is... Forgotten Folks. Forgotten Folks, sorry. Forgotten and Lost, you know. lost. I don't <laughs> know. Forgotten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want that expansion maybe if you feel that way about it. But... If you do like that variety in it, then forget about it. You probably do need it. Forget about it, eh? All right. Oh boy, this is really your guys's list. Concordia, Richie, tell us about Concordia. Uh, Mac Gertz and it's Rio, a PD. Rio Grande, Rio Grande, oh, PV Verlog, yeah, PD Verlog, and Rio Grande, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, I mean, it's a great game. Chad once compared it to Brussels sprouts. It is, is a, my Brussels which sprouts. Which is an game. insult. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great game. You got the, you know, kind of Rondell like uh, actions with the cards, and it's a evolution from Navigador, which it has improved up, upon. I do like Navigador, but Concordia is better. Shots fired. And now with the Venus and the team play, I mean, it, the game, it's ridiculously good. And I'm currently playing a, a game with Joe and Bryce on uh, Batajou. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> I like that French uh, accent. Yeah, it yeah, was pretty good. That, was, that threw me for a second. Um, and Chad and I, have, we've said this a million times. It, we like the game, but we just are not as, let's, I'm not as enthralled with it as most people are. I just, I think it's okay. I always feel good when I'm playing it. But I will never, I think I'll never reach for it unless somebody suggests it. But it's so you, weird. You own it, right? Oh, yeah. See, I, I have even, all these maps for it, too. I, I don't because, even own it. And yeah. I always <laughs> buy the maps like right after I played, right? Like, I was like, like, yeah, I'm I don't on know a Concordia why you're still high. Everything. I'm on a Concordia <laughs> high because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then whenever I look at my game shelf, though, I'm like, oh, that woman on the front, gosh. Oh, oh yeah. I just, I replaced that box with the, uh, the salsa expansion box. Okay. Yeah. The statue, is that a statue or something? Uh, it's guys out in a salt mine <laughs> handing each other salt. It's not much better, but it, but it's not oh, creepy. That sounds Gosh, good. Yeah, right. Gosh, give me that box with the guys handing each other salt. Sorry. But I think and, you need to play it again now that you've played Navigador. I love Navigador. I think you need to play it again. I will. And like I said, it's not like a game that I'm like, oh, it's not a good game or I don't like. It's not like, it's not like, uh, like. Uh, what's that stupid game feast for odin it's not like that game <laughs> it, it's a good game i just yeah just as yeah 
Now that you have a Clef's love for Navigador, point of view does not reflect the views of Punchboard Paradise. Please ignore. <laughs> now yes, that you it have is. a I'm one third of Punchboard. <laughs> now that you have a love for Navigador, I think you need to try Concordia again, and you'll see the things that have been approved upon. All right, I, I, I like I said, I am I'll never turned down. Well, I might, but I would, I would not like actively try to turn down a play of Concordia. I just am going to look for something different. Usually for me, that's. All right, anyways, moving on. So let's see. How many of the top 10, Richie, have you played? Uh, Mage Knight was the only one that I hadn't played, so. All right, and Chad? Truth, nine for me. Uh, I'm only at an eight because I had not played Mansions of Madness even since I've asked multiple times. Because <laughs> never going to be miserable. All right, and the best one out of this list is Brass, so we're all moving on. If somebody's not saying Brass. Richie are... might say Concordia. Would no. you say Concordia? Uh Oh, it's like, close, I, but Brass, I redid you. my top 100. It's a, it <gasps> okay. is my, I was ready. I was going to walk off the podcast. It's my three no or my two. If you brass, try to say I, Brass is not your number one here, I'm walking out of the podcast. Wow. So you want to finish the podcast? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> Kick him out of his own house. That's huh? right. <laughs> Watch him walk down the street. Uh, I'll, I'll say brass. <laughs> we like to always be different normally with these lists. Yes, but normally. Yeah, normally. But I will say. That's and, a good list for you, though, Richie. Oh, yeah. That, yeah fantastic uh, 10 there. I actually like this list quite a bit, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not high on mentions of madness, but, you know, food chain in there and Agricola and. Some good ah, stuff. That's, that's a bad ten for me. I mean, really, brasses. I mean, I like <laughs> Orleon and I like Concordia, you know, and I I like the expansion with Caverna and Agricola, but none of them are really. I don't. None of those would even reach my top like thirty, probably, of besides brass, obviously. That yeah. So I mean, at least brass was in there. Brass. When we get to another uh, punchboard previous play, you want to sing that again, Clef? Uh, I, I, I might have to go back and listen oh, to how yeah. I sang it because uh, I didn't expect that to be in there. <laughs> some of my friends want that as their ringtone. <laughs> we can make that happen. Yeah, um, but Ooh. there was another game that I rated a six. That when we reviewed Brass, it downgraded that game just because, like. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I, I I think a lot. I'm going to find a lot of games. I think probably have moved down. Since we right of what we what we have reviewed, reviewed yeah. it like once we played brass, I was like, oh, that's a six. That is a six. I will you agree. know what I'm saying. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I think therefore it might have been given out too. I don't want to say given out too many sixes, but I think that as we continue to do this, uh, definitely the what gets a six is a lot different than yeah. That's why we do our previously plays thing. So, well. Previously played. Oh, that's a different one. That that different. Different. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I might do one different every single time. <laughs> oh no, this is not blue peg, pig peg. We, we do get, not have a previous, can't get away with that. We do. We do not have one for this week, but we will have one. We're gonna put up in our Slack. Yep, we'll put it up in our Slack. That reminds me, if you want to be, well, not just our Slack. We're gonna put it up on the our guild and BGG. So yeah, yeah. if you want to be in our guild, join guild three, two, two, seven and board game geek and hit us up. And while I'm on the subject, if you have any questions, stuff you'd love for us to talk about, shoot us an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. And you can get on our Slack chat where we have lots of good discussions going on. You can, you can hit us up with, with other questions. Also, we have a Facebook page at Punchboard Paradise. We are Punchboard Paradise on Instagram, and we're at Punchboarders on Twitter, too. So you can you can get to us any of those multiple ways. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah we, we've not had a Richie's mailbag in a while. I know, right? Yeah. Mailbag's been empty, people. Come on. Yeah. He's, been, he's been wanting to give out some advice, so... 
Yeah, whether that be on baking cakes or board games, either one he can help you out with. <laughs> hey, Richie's advice is I, it's pretty gold, yeah, actually. I can, I, I can yeah. cook and bake. Speaking maybe, of maybe gold. Maybe not so much about walking down steps, but other than that, <laughs> he's pretty good. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, speaking of gold, whoa, I think we should talk a little bit about silver, actually. Mm. Uh, silver, sure. silver and, and gold. The Shining Ming Dynasty. That was Our amazing. featured review. Solid transition. It's very, <laughs> very. All right. So, uh, Yinzi is published by Spielwork Games, uh, designed by Rola and Costa, with art by Harold Lisky. Lasky? Lisky. Lisky? Lisky? You sound like you're calling somebody's dog. Lisky. It plays. Harold Lisky, very good, accomplished artist. Exactly. Uh, It plays two to four players in around 90 to 180 minutes once you know how to play. Uh, In Yinsi, the Shining Ming Dynasty, Yinsi means silver. The players represent merchant clans developing parts of China in the late Ming period in the early 17th century along the last 200 kilometers of the Yangtze River before it reaches the China Sea. Uh, players will plant crops, sell goods to the rural and urban markets, develop raw materials, build and upgrade factories, and sell their goods to ships already waiting in the port. In order to reach the port, players will also need to improve their river transportation capabilities along the Yangtze. The game will last four rounds with each player taking six actions per round. Each round, you will be drawing three action cards that will give you a certain number of fortune actions that will also then give you a certain number of worker actions. Kind of the top part will have some slashes that will tell you how many fortune actions you get to take, and then it's the kind of the opposite of how many worker actions that you get, uh, somewhere between the ranges of one to three. Uh, players will take turns, uh, take take turns with their actions. Once all players have played all six of their actions, there will be some cleanup. We'll have some feeding of the people. We'll go and check uh, some war glories to see who kind of won if we won a war and get some points from that way. And then we'll also have some taxing of the people. And then there'll even be some late shipping that you can do. Um, At the end of the fourth round, players will score points from how many like shipping commodities that they shipped. They'll also score some points from war glories and then routes, which are kind of like contracts. And then how, and then their bags of silver that they have left over at the end of the game. And basically then the player with the most victory points is the winner. So that's a really, really quick, basic overview. Um, So let's roll into this and uh, start talking. So we always like to start off here with good old arts and components. And Chad, I'll let you, what do you think about the arts and components in this game? Harold Lisky is a very accomplished artist. He, he has this on the box and and someone on the board has this watercolory kind of smudgy design and i think it looks actually really pretty here because it's almost akin to summer some of the chinese writing and art style of the time almost i I feel like and again i'm very uneducated in that sort of thing but that's what at least what it brings to mind to me looking at it so it's it's evocative of that it does not get in the way at all and so for the most part, I, I really like it. There's some problems that I have with the iconography of the worker spots on the board. There's some that are kind of unclear where, for example, 
there's an action that should have a slash as an either or in the, in the bottom of the board. So some of the iconography is not as clear as it could be, but otherwise I, I felt like it does a, a pretty, pretty good yeoman's job of the work. Okay. Richie, what do you think of the art? Yeah, I mean, I like the art overall. Um, the components are good, nice chunky wooden pieces. Uh, but yeah, like, like Chad said, the iconography on the board is the issue. And there was another, um, I cannot remember what spot it was, but there was another spot where we went on to uh, BGG and found out that that was wrong. That was on there incorrectly as well. So for the amount that you paid for the game, I don't know. I mean, the iconography is an issue. Uh, I mean, yes, I, I will agree that there is the spot that it just has a wood and a stone together and there's no slash and there's they use slashes in other parts of the, the iconography. So and that's and it's clearly in the rule book that you either get one stone or one wood for each of your actions. It was the factory mm-hmm. upgrade. So, you know, how in the bonus up top, mm-hmm. you just get to put the disc yeah. and in the bottom. Yeah. So okay. they had like the wrong symbol there. Right. Just for, you know, for the amount that you're paying for it. Right. It you just know. seems like all that stuff should have been worked out. Sure. And I, I agree with that. I mean, now that I know it, it's a fairly easy thing. It's not like it, you know, right. I mean, even since, yes, when I teach every single time I teach it, I have to say, yes, you only get either a stone or a wood in that one action spot. And of course, everybody will question me. Well, it looks like you get both. Yep, I know. But the rule book <laughs> clearly states that you only get one or the other. So sure. I mean, not great, but there's a lot of iconography in the game. So I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to, a lot of it's really good. And I mean, now that. I kind of understand, and I, I understand the iconography. It's pretty good for me, and especially like if I'm teaching it, it's good for me to be able to show people, yes, this is what this iconography means, and I can kind mm. of... And sure, it. these are nitpicks, but they came up almost every time we played with somebody new, so that's why I'm bringing them up. Oh, 100%, I, and I totally, yeah. totally agree. On and that. the food as well, as far as what food is worth one. Yeah, definitely they could have put that on the board because there are six different types of food, and three of the foods are worth... Like if you have to feed your people and you had to feed like, you know, two sets worth of people or whatever it would be. Rice is worth one. Uh, I can't even I can't even remember now. Corn and I think one others are worth potatoes or no. something like something that. Like well, that. it was one of the other and then the other ones are worth a half when it comes to feeding people. And that was kind of a weird first first of all, it's just kind of a weird and we'll get into the discussion of the game, but it's kind of a weird game thing, but certainly not very well put on the board. Uh, they definitely could have put that somehow on the board a little bit easier, I think, for people to know how to, what what amount needs to be for feeding people. You were the only one, really, who had their hands on the rule book at all with this. How was the rule book? Ooh, itsy mama! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be like an 80s sitcom. He's got his catchphrase. Yeah, woohoo! Uh, it was... A, the rule book is actually very good in the fact of explaining the game it just was a such a heavy game that it was very hard for me to comprehend at first what they were, some of the things that they were talking about. Um, and when I, the, the main thing that really threw me off to start with is they kept talking about how you could only do a single fortune action each round. And I kept thinking, okay, well, what if I draw the cards that have, you know, cards and they each have a single fortune action? I don't get to play a card. And that's not what they were talking about. They were trying to say you could only play, there's five different fortune actions. You could only play each one of those one time during the round. So that was the biggest thing that I think was maybe not as clear as it could have been in the rule book. It had good examples. I mean, I learned it from scratch and I feel like, I feel like, and I could be wrong. I could totally be playing some things wrong in the game, but I don't think so. I learned it and I was able to teach it 
it took me three days to get through the rule book. I mean, of, you know, I mean, I had to put it down a couple of times, obviously, and say, okay, I got to come back to this. It was just kind of dense for the rule book, is what sure. you're saying. Yeah, but- I remember. I think we had played like the, that, or the morning you got the game, and you were like, "Well, fellas, I'm gonna go home. I'll read this. We'll play right. it tomorrow." Yep. And yep. You came back without the game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, "Yeah, not happening." Uh, but it's a heavy game. I mean, so I, I, I mean, I expect a heavy game to have a big rule book. I mean. I wouldn't have gotten through Arkwright's rule book in a day. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I don't think you could, unless you're some sort of a, you know, person who likes just to sit there and punish yourself for an entire day. You know, it's it's a rule book that's going to take a couple of days to kind of get through, I think, and, and kind of understand it. Yeah. it. I definitely, if there would have been a video out there of, you know, how to play, I don't usually like to watch how to play videos, but I'm this was one I might have you know wanted to try to pop in and, and at least try to get a little bit of help with. What about teaching? You were the one who taught the game as well, I think. Okay, so this is going to be, and I'll just kind of speak to this. This is probably a negative of this game. The teach is long and long, 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 long. I am talking. You're looking at if people understand the concepts i'm guessing i'm probably looking at still a half hour to 45 minutes to teach the game if people are not quite understanding some of the concepts it can take up to an hour uh i mean i've taught it every time obviously i've played it i've had to teach it now and i've i've played it seven times and i think i've had and i've had to teach at least one new person every single time and it just takes a long time there's just a lot there's a lot of iconography um, there's a lot of things when, you know, so when I start to teach, it's like, well, this is going to be bonus actions you're going to take in the first round, but I'm going to come back to those because none of them are going to make sense to you if I try to explain it right now. And then here's all these, uh, what do they call those favor actions? Okay. I'm going to come back to those because none of those are going to make sense right now. Okay. This is war glories. Okay. None of these are going to make sense. So I'm going to come back to those. So it's really one of those where I've got to really plan out exactly how I am teaching it. And it's just long because I got to go through every single one of the actions and then I got to wrap back around so that I can explain all the other stuff that comes along with it. And if you're teaching to Brent, it's going to take an hour and a half. So, well, that's just because he likes to interrupt me every five seconds and ask me a question when I'm about to say, I'm going to get there. <laughs> so funny. So if I teach you this game, please just be quiet and wait until I'm done (laughs) and hopefully then no, but you know, and I understand some people when they, they get taught a game. Um, I remember, uh, I was listening to Rado and he even said this and he hates getting taught games because the moment he gets a question in his head, he cannot concentrate on anything else you're saying until he has that question answered. Mm, right. Even if you're going to get to it at some point. And that, that's just, you know, how some people are. When you're know, learning, so. you're trying to make connections. And if you can't yeah. make the connection, you're wanting to ask a question to do that. So, yeah, it, it, exactly. So, so to sum it all up, yes, it's a little bit of a, uh, a bear of a rule book and it's definitely a bear of a teach. So that's, yeah. that's what I will say. But what I mean, you, the, the weird thing is though, once you get over the, once you get done with the teach, I don't. I don't feel like the actual game is necessarily that hard. Like Feudum, Feudum's an hour teach. Yeah, and we were still like asking questions throughout. Feudum. Well, you know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah, but I will also say this: is of all the times that I have taught Yinsi, after I get done teaching, and everybody's like, "Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it," and then I'll be like, "Okay, it's your turn." I most of the time I get this blank stare of, "Okay, now what can I do?" <laughs> It's That's what lot. Chad did. That was Chad's look it, at it. It's me. a lot to absorb. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so 
once then I get into the game and we start kind of moving through the game, then I think people start to be like, oh, okay. And then there's one part we'll talk about here in a little bit, the the whole part of the raw materials making it into uh, commodities. When people aren't used to those type of things, that's where it then starts to get okay. yeah, even I a little bit. Uh, I guess I just, just when I learn these, I just start pulling levers. I don't. So, I mean, I guess that's why I probably don't get hung on up. Right. Uh-huh. And certainly, once again, that comes down to a play style. Some people are good like you, Richie. You don't care. You're just like, okay, I'll just start playing and whatever happens, yeah. happens. Learning game but is a learning some game. Some people so. want to be like, well, I don't want to look like a fool, so I want to understand how to play the game. And I don't think you're going to be able to do that very much in Yinsi. I think you just need to start <laughs> pulling levers to try to get going. I want to talk about gameplay because like most Spielwerks games, this is kind of where everything's at you know this is where we're what we get into absolutely and i'm um this is this is a heavy game i'm not gonna lie to you guys i mean the the it's it's a heavy game now as richie just said i think once you kind of understand the actions i mean i don't find it necessarily to be all that tough but i think that because it it really has this and i'll just jump into it right now and, and kind of discuss this but when you are placing your colored cubes so if i'm blue and i'm placing my cubes and i'm planting so i might plant some some sugar cane and i might plant some uh you know, corn and I might plant some rice, you know, and stuff like that. And when I plant these out there and I put my blue cubes out on the board, those are my cubes. Okay. And which we're all used to in a game, you know, okay, that's mine. Right. Well, then when you go and sell those cubes to what we call the urban market, Okay, so kind of think of this as like a, a big chain supermarket or something, and you're selling these goods to this urban market, and you place your blue cube, and okay, here's my blue cube, and I'm putting it on, and I'm selling bamboo, or I'm selling sugarcane, or whatever it is, and I'm getting money for it, right? So I get a couple of copper for it. Well, now that that blue cube is in that urban market, guess what? It's no longer yours. It is a raw material that anybody can use to produce in their factory if it matches their color. And I think that is the toughest concept for people to kind of wrap their head around when you're used to in games, your blue cube is your blue cube, you know, and it's like, what are you doing touching my blue cube? Well, it's no longer your blue cube. It's a blue raw material. And the thing is to remember there is that it's not even, it's not even rice anymore either. Oh, yeah, you know, no, if you it's, planted rice, right, it's yeah. not rice anymore. And that's confusing, too, because you get so I might buy a factory and the only factories that come out are the ones of the player colors that are in use, because then I'll buy a factory. And if I'm yellow color and I buy that factory, it has a spot for a blue cube on it. So the only way that I can process stuff at my factory is by this this particular factory is by getting blue cube raw materials. Right. And it says that. So it's it's really interesting. And that, to me, is one of the interesting mechanisms that comes into play. It sort of promotes that player interaction. So the first time I played this game, we played with Adam at Origins, and I had gotten a factory that took his cubes, and he was never selling to the market. So I was screwed because I couldn't run anything in that factory because right. he was never selling stuff. In fact, that's probably where that dream came from. Was just like, <laughs> Adam, will you just sell the dang thing so that I can run I just the factory? Make this a move. Yeah. So anyway, that which would make you want to diverse. You know, as one of it. You know, you could say certainly you could plan better and diversify because right. you're waiting on one person. Right. And he realized it 
at some point that you were waiting for him to sell. And so he purposely then was like, I'm not going to sell. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not going to put my cubes out there. Yeah, I like, and that that is definitely one of my favorite mechanisms in the game. And I think the last time that we played, uh, me, you, and Josh, uh, Clef, I took over that little small island, and I, you know, I obviously you can't block people out, but I tried to fill it up as you much did. as possible. You, so no one tried to say this is Richie Island. Yeah, this is my island, yeah. and I had a, my own color factory there. I had a green factory, and then I was just selling to that island. And obviously, they can still get it because they can ship uh, the cube away. But it was I made it a lot more difficult for them to do it, and then I was in control of my own raw materials so right which is the way to do that once you understand that that's how that works it like i said that being my first play and i hadn't understood that concept i was like wait a minute i can't do anything (laughs) and and it but again that is what's interesting is that the way it promotes that player interaction so you can have sort of a symbiotic relationship going with somebody else too you can say hey you know pump out those blue cubes and then i can use them and then you know i'll pump out some yellow cubes for you to use possibly and it has that sort of brass synergy of look i did a thing for you too and you know yeah yeah but you also want to be very careful that you're not you know, just, oh, I'm just going to sell my stuff to the urban market and, oh, and I'm just leaving all that stuff for you because if you do it and then you turn right around and then somebody can all buy your cubes, you could be sitting there with nothing to do. So just like in Brash, you don't want to set somebody up and them to be able to come in and build something. So exactly. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the shipping in this game because it's a very interesting thing how you have a certain shipping amount. Everybody starts off with one at the beginning of the game. And you have to pass over these ship things to basically, you don't you don't ever use the shipping, like it doesn't go down. You just have to have so much. And in the game, when you are trying to sell to these boats, you have to have quite a bit of shipping sometimes because it's every cube that you move, you need that much shipping. Uh, what, what was your thoughts on that, Chad? Well, that was confusing at first because at first I thought of it like a train game where, okay, I'm I'm into the level three trains now, so I can go over three spaces. But I would forget sometimes, oh, right, I need to move this other cube. I can't just move that three spaces and that three spaces. I don't have six shipping. Right, right. Uh, and Richie, what was your thoughts on that? I liked it. And uh, the late shipping made a lot more sense in this last game that we played. Because uh-huh. I, I know the previous games, we just didn't think it was that worthwhile to do it. But actually, if you are, you know, if you ship to those boats and then you get to that later in that that a or later in that round where you can push that boat off just by doing late shipping and just triggering it to get your uh, raw materials or not raw materials, getting your, your commodities, your commodities mm-hmm. up. Uh, that can score you a lot of points. Which so. scores you the points. Mm. Because in this game, they start. you start off with, you'll have the Orient, you know, the Oriental type of uh, boats or whatever. And when you get commodities on those to go up and score, it only is going to score you two points per commodity. But eventually, if you get the European boats to come in, then you're getting three points per commodity. And Richie, the last game that we played, you went pretty heavy into the shipping because those European boats came out pretty quick. And I went after, and then one of the other things you can score a lot of points off of is this war glories, which are you basically, I mean, when I say war, it sounds like, you know, you got you don't really do anything but count up your number of people. And if you have more shields, you get to gain so many victory points or whatever. It's either four or two type of thing. And I went heavy into that and scored a lot of points off of that. And then the contracts that are with there and Richie went off and did a lot of the heavy shipping. And I think you ended up beating me by just like two points or whatever. It was a really, yeah, close, it was a really game. close game. 
Um, because we were not sure that the shipping was even a viable, like able to beat that strategy. Right. Cause the, the first game that we played uh, with Josh, or at least my first game that I played with Josh, I was confident that he was in dead last. Yeah. Absolutely dead last. Like, was not was worried about him at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was between me and Clef. And then all of a sudden he won by like six points. Yeah. And he, he just hit war glory. Cause he was just war glorying yeah. it up and yeah. And I had done just shipping. I had, had not gone over to the war glories at all, but I, I did not hit. I think maybe I think I only hit one European ship in that first game. Right. But. So how many players were playing in the one where Richie beat you with the the European shipping? We that was a three player game. Yeah. And I, and I was about to say here the one thing I think about shipping though is I think you need somebody else to be doing it with you to be able to get those boats moving. It's too hard to churn through those by yourself. I right. think. If unless you do the late shipping, because Josh he helped me with like one. I think but he only he helped me with still, one boat. But he definitely still was shipping because he wasn't doing the War Glory thing because that was all me. I was all by myself there. Right. And I thought, you know, at least at least a few extra things that he's popping on there is going to make that uh, th- those those ships go out faster, mm-hmm. which, you know, and especially you can get into those European ships. So that's, I'm wondering, I mean, like if I feel like if you would have been doing the shipping all by yourself and Josh and I, now granted, if Josh and I are battling over the war glories, then maybe once again, you, you come on top. So, and it's possible. I, I think if it is just you, then you, you have to be doing late shipping, right? You no. have to be pushing those boats out because yeah, the commodities are just sitting on there at the end of the game. They're only worth a point. Right. So, yeah, then so that, that's going to hurt you. Yeah, so. All right. Uh, another thing real quick that I want to talk about that I really like about it is I love the turn order, the way turn order works in the game. Because uh, you start off randomizing just turn order, but then that doesn't even make anything for the actual game mm-hmm. because it gives you those options for those bonus uh, things that you get, which are really powerful at the beginning of the round. Right. Like, hey, you don't have to worry about feeding your people or, hey, you don't have to worry about paying taxes or uh, you can upgrade your shipping or you can even upgrade a factory for free. And I like how the better the action is, the obviously the worse in turn order you're going to go. So a la kind of a, a viticulture or a fresco type of thing. And I love that about this game. That is one thing I really, really like are those bonus actions for turn order. It creates some hard decisions. So that, that that's, that's really good too. And of course, then... It, again, it's just another layer of planning because planning is big in this game. So if you're going to set yourself up for a free factory, which is huge, then you better be prepared to not have your stuff, hopefully have your stuff messed with a little bit because you sure. may not get to some of those actions down at the bottom of the board yeah. that are that are extremely luc- lucrative. Now, the one thing I am curious about, because all my plays were at three player, and it seemed like someone would take the factory, someone would take the not having to pay food, and then the last person or, you know, whatever order they're taking these. And then the last person would take uh, not having to pay taxes. Right. So, like, in the higher player counts, because you have you played it at all player counts? I've played well, it at all player counts, yep. So, in that higher player count, did you see that mix up a little bit more because people wanted to get into first or? um Honestly, no. Because uh, the first action is you just get one, just one favor. Right. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody take that. And uh, I think the second one is you get to sell for an extra copper per, which I keep honestly keep thinking about. That's I want to try that one because I never yeah. have quite got an opportunity to try that one. But no, I would say definitely the feeding the people and the taxation, which are so huge. Those are two that are getting taken no matter what. And then then it really went around the upgrading the boat and upgrading the factory. You know, because those were big actions. Yeah. While we're on the subject, we should talk about what our preferred player counts are i i 
think I've played this at two, three, and four, I believe. And you've played a bunch. I mean, you said you played seven games of it. So yeah, I, I definitely have two player. No, don't. I mean, no. Um, unless you just really like a two-player game and you don't, but it's... Does anything change on the map at all so or the map wide open? The map stays the same. Uh, the only yeah. thing that changes is you got less boats and then you have less uh, less of the routes that, you know, are for the War Glory type yeah, of thing. Yeah. You know, so there's less of those. Um, trying to think. There might be... You get... Obviously, you'll have less tiles of the different planting goods and stuff. But yeah, for the most part, no, it doesn't do anything to the thing. So it's it's... There's too much easiness of being able to try to get it because as I when I taught you guys, I said to you, hey, you'll notice this quadrant is the easiest to ship from. It only hmm. takes one shipping to get to any one of the other four provinces or the other three provinces, and it only takes one to get to the shipping. So now when I play a game, like for instance, that four player game, boom, we're all into that one quadrant right away, trying to battle in there and see what we can figure out. Well, a two-player game, boom, you're both in there battling. Well, it's not that much, and so it's, it's a yeah. little bit more open. And then, you have, granted, you only have the two different colors of factories, but it just is not as, you know, You don't have as active. much interaction. Yeah, exactly. So... And in this game, that's that's one of the that's one of the features. And yeah. I, I would also say too. Again, we we kind of just talked about this, but it just seems like when even if you're doing late shipping correctly, you're still getting three points a pop, where the other person's getting four points a pop for those war glories. I mean, three points a pop at best. It feels like, and so you really have to. I think that can be tough to overcome, and you have to get in on some of those war glories in second place to grab the two two yeah. spot too. Yeah. So it's really it, it kind of it. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the same game. It's a little bit, yeah, not not quite the same. I three I, three might be the sweet spot because I just think that you know four gets a little long. You know, certainly uh, you remember our Origins game. You yeah, know, having played this at four, sh- I would say it's straight I mean, into Chad's night terrors. You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say for what you described of two player, I'm not interested. And all my games at three have been close to that two hour mark and I would not want to go over that. Right, right. Replay and, and variability. This is always something we're always wanting in games. Uh, Chad, what do you what do you think of the variability kind of for, or to, to the brings into the replayability? There wasn't a ton of variability from what I saw because a lot of the contracts at least that I saw that are going to come out in the war glories, there's not a, a, a ton of difference in there that I could see. One thing that does change it up that we didn't talk about the mechanism of that is a little bit interesting is that when you're picking actions, you're picking favors, you're, you're, you're playing from cards. And so you've got favors on one half of the card and you've got workers on the bottom half of the card. And so the favors correspond to certain actions that you can take. And then the workers correspond to other actions that are out there on the board. And those kind of have to do with taxes as well, which we won't necessarily get into. But it's it's interesting getting a hand of cards and trying to plan what you're going to do that round and how how that's going to come out. And that can really change your game. What you know in the first round when you're trying to set up an engine, how many workers do you have versus favors, and and how are you going to pay taxes on those and and such? Yeah, I I will echo that. I totally agree with you on that, Chad. Because and that's one thing I really like about this game is if I look down and I see I've got a lot of fortune actions, which fortune actions are what causes you to have to pay silver on these taxes, I'm thinking to myself, ooh, I want to get to that free no-pay taxes this round because then I can really you know, optimize that and not have to worry about it. But if it's the opposite where I've got a, lo- not a, very, I've got a very few fortune actions, so that means I'm going to have a lot of workers out, well, then I might want to head to that feed the people thing. So that is 
interesting in the fact you only have 12 cards when you start this game off with, and you draw three each round, and there's four of the single fortune actions, then there's four of the double fortune actions, and four of the triple fortune actions, and then the workers are all opposite of that. You know, well, obviously the twos are, the, are two and two. Um, and so that that is a very interesting variable that you do play with. So sorry, Chad, I didn't mean to cut you off. So no, you're, yeah. you're right, and, and thank you for, for the correction. So when I said... I think I said favors. I meant to say fortunes. Mm-hmm. So yes, those fortune actions. But that that's really, to me, where some of the interesting variability comes in. And again, anytime you have player interaction like this promotes, there feels like, whether it's just based on players, there feels like there's more variability in there too because it does change what you're doing, what your strategy is. So I'd, I'd give it average, you know, I, even though there aren't a lot of moving parts as far as the tiles and stuff that come in the game, I, I'd give it an average variability, en- enough for what I would want with this mm-hmm. game. And Richie, what, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, I would say average to maybe slightly below average because, I mean, outside of, you know, you get your deck, you shuffle it, and those cards that you draw, like Chad said, they will make a difference to what you do, especially in the beginning of the game, what you do uh, during the game. But, like, as far as the variability on the board, I, just, I don't know if there's a lot there. You know, you can't change those bonus actions. Those are printed on the board. The favors uh, are printed on the board. The contracts, obviously, are going to come out. Um, differently, but you know you're playing with the same set of contracts every game and mm-hmm. the same set of boats. Right. So yeah, I, 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 as far as the the board goes, it does not really change. Yeah, it kind of feels a little samey to me. And, and I would and what Chad and I were just talking about, I almost I don't know if it's necessarily that's even a variable. It's just kind of part of the gameplay. I mean, right, right, right. You know, playing your playing your hand correctly. I I think I would say the game I would say the variability is is below average. I, I would I don't even think I'd put it at average. I mean, this game pretty much once you know what you're doing, it's not like uh oh I wonder what's going to happen this game. You know, maybe the boats come out a little bit different. Like you said, the contracts maybe come out a little different, but those are very minor in a change in the game. So uh you know which. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great games out there that you know everything before the game starts and they're just fine. You know, hey, I've played this game seven times. There's some replayability in it. I'm not going to be playing, you know, there's a a lot of games out there that I don't want to play more than once, you know, because I just don't feel like there's anything there towards them. But uh, so it's got some replayability to it. Is it starting to get to the point right now for me that I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm getting a little bit eh, on it. Uh, I would say a little bit just because I played it so much and partly... If I got to teach somebody new, I know I've got to go through that long teach. So that's, you know, that's part of it too. But uh, so replayability, uh, I mean, good, but as the more plays, I think it starts to go down a little bit just because the game is kind of there, that same spot. A couple of things I wanted to hit on. First of all, I wanted to talk about the rural market. So one of the things we didn't kind of talk about is there's the urban market, which is a big part of the game and selling to it. But if you guys, the rural market is where you could, if you wanted to, sell a food to get one copper coin. And then if there is food up there, somebody could spend two copper to purchase that food or what basically they can, whatever it is, they can just say whatever type of food they want it to be. I have played this seven times. I have used the roll market zero times. Never. And maybe I don't, you know, maybe I'm not playing the game 100% right because, you know, it's still something I'm exploring. But at this moment, I just don't see it being something that is a very valuable thing in the game and i don't know richie you kind of thought had the same thought when we were talking about it yeah definitely and i i do think in this game because like i said the late shipping 
won me that last game, and I had not messed around with that before. I definitely think you have some strategies to explore within this game that maybe just they're you know they don't just jump right out at you maybe that is the case with the rule market but it, it almost seems like something that you would do like you know in like worker placement games where it's like well if you don't have any place to place your worker you, you can always go here and get a coin like it seems like that type of spot to me where yeah. it's not that beneficial maybe you'll do it if you if you well, got nothing else to do there's many a times that i've looked up there and thought oh my god if there was something up there i'd be very yeah. happy to spend two copper on it so i could get you know that food to use well, especially for that late shipping thing that we were talking about earlier. Yep. Um, so I almost like, you know, in my head, and once again, I didn't design the game. I, the designers obviously have played this game tons more than me, and I'm just spit firing off to seven plays. I almost wish that we started off with some goods there, or every round maybe, you know, because it's some a rural market. You would think they would have some goods. We wouldn't be the only ones selling to them. You know, they're, you know, Jim down the street, he sold, you know, a little rice to them at some point or a little corn or I don't know. So <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, so that's just one little thing. Uh, the other thing that I thought was just a little bit eh, was the fact that when the European boats hit the, sh- uh, hit the shore, you add in corn and potatoes. And I was thinking at first, like, oh my goodness, you know, corn and potatoes, this is going to be, and they're nothing different than all the other goods and they really don't do anything to impact the game at all. It's, I think, honestly, and this is going to please you deeply, I think it's thematic (laughs) in that those European ships were bringing foods from, you know, other places and therefore that that helped China, you know, in that period. And so I, I think that's why those commodities were, essentially worth more at that point and it just kind of was also a a game you know a game trigger almost saying like okay well we've gotten this far in the game sort of thing Hmm. yeah i don't i i I can't say that because i don't you know i don't know the designers but it just seemed to me like it was more of a thematic touch than anything you know about a nod to the history of the of the stuff well well also making it more lucrative for points. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. And then the last thing, and Chad, this was something I know me and you talked about in our last play. During each end of the round, the silver bags are worth a different value of copper. Like, you know, to start off with, I think it's five copper equals a bag of sand. And you're rolling a six-sided dice, and it's very, it's not really all that random. It's if, if you roll higher than it, it only moves up by one. Or if you roll lower than it, it moves down by one. But at the end of the game, you know, in this game, obviously, being about silver, silver bags are all worth just one point, no matter what. And it seemed weird that maybe, like, if silver was worth a lot more, like it had moved up into being, like, worth, like, 15 ba- or 15 copper... Does it seem like maybe silver would be worth more points or something? I, I don't know. That's just another thing. Once again, I'm saying I have not played this game enough to nearly be able to say this is not right or something. It just was a little weird. Like it's the name, you know, it's the big part of the game is silver is what this game is all about. And yet getting silver at the end of the game really isn't all that big a deal. No, but I mean, I think maybe that would make it a little too swingy. Like if all of a sudden silver is also worth like three or four points, because I mean, all of our scores were close in all of our games. Like they weren't that far off. And even if you Mm, went after different things, especially if there were die rolls that could affect. Right. Exactly. Where no one's doing anything 
You know, if you just yeah. save up a, ba- a bunch of silver and then you just get lucky at the end, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be satisfying. Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably right. It just, it seemed weird to me that it was always the same, the, the value, no matter how much it was worth. But yeah, you're probably right. Just one of those things that I just noticed when, when playing the game. All right. Well, I think we've talked about this to good length. Uh, so I think right now we'll roll through and, and give our ratings. So Chad, we're going to start with you. Well, Richie has to say what our rating scale is. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, that's what I said. Richie, give us our rating scale all right so in punchboard paradise we rate on a six point scale with a one i guess technically you could give a zero um with one being a game that makes you miserable and then six being a game that could possibly be in your top 10 of all time i think we need to revise that though one being a game that makes you miserable but your friend might make you play it for his birthday and six (laughs) being your one of your favorites of all time there we go yeah so my rating. I just didn't even listen to that part. I didn't know I was going to dig there. <laughs> I I like a lot of of Spielworks games. You know, we just got we just got our TMG copy of Gentison, and I am so happy playing that. It's it's a a really fun game. Even even though it took a long long time to get to us. Yeah, Spielworks version is better. So yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I also really enjoy La Granja, which was picked up by Stronghold and originally a Spielworks game, for example. So, uh, or, or Arkwright. Right, of course, <laughs> yeah. Arkwright is another one. This one sits a little bit lower for me than any of those. I like what the mechanisms are doing. I like how they work together. But ultimately, for me, there are other games that I'd rather play usually. So I really enjoy some of the the mechanisms that we talked about but again this has to be this is sort of a goldilocks game for me it has to be three player i'm not i'm not really interested at two and i'm not really i don't want to sit around for four and you know i i for for a euro for an, an efficiency euro with some good player interaction there are some other games that i honestly would rather play so i'm going to give this a three i'll definitely play it if people want to if people want to play it uh, I just don't feel the need to have it in my collection personally, so that's kind of where that comes across. Again, uh, a good game, just not just not one I feel I need to own. So okay. that that's my rating for this right. game. Fair, fair. All right, Richie. Um, it's a good game, and I would say after my plays, I thought I would be in that four range, but I don't really have a desire to buy it. And especially since, you know, it's a, since it's a Spielworks, they only print a thousand of them. So like if I was all about this game, I definitely would have just ordered it right away. And it's not a game that I would, I don't think I would ever ask to play it. If Clef set it up and I don't have to sit through a rules teach with new players, I'll play it. But I don't know. It's, it's a, it's definitely a great design. I, I think the design is smart. I think the game is good, but it's just, I don't know. Nothing about the game excites me. So I think I'm in that three range as well. So, and this is important to me because we are talking so much about the mechanisms and you hear, this is really interesting because I want to say that the uh, podcast uh, Ludology just talked about fun in games and being able to articulate why something is fun or why it's not fun. We try not to use that because it can almost be a nebulous word to say, this game is fun. Well, what does that mean? But why do you think, and, and I'm just trying to verbalize this because I want I want to get it in my head too. Why do you think even with all that, for you, it doesn't grab you. 
I mean, I guess honestly, it's just that there's nothing special here. I mean, it there it's a it's a solid Euro game, but like like when we were just talking about with brass, how when I played brass, you know, I know what a six what my line is for a six when we're reviewing games, and this doesn't get anywhere near that. It does it doesn't give back what you're getting out of it. It seems like the the two main strategies is really all you have to go after in the game, and I mean, after you do that a couple of times, it just it gets samey quickly for me. So you're saying almost the explore the first couple plays are the exploration of those mechanisms which you find to be an interesting design, a good design, and then after you've experienced those you don't feel like there's more to experience necessarily. Right. And like I said, I think that there's probably is there are probably are strategies here that we just have not explored, but the game is not giving back enough for me to want to continue going down the road. Unless someone sets it up and says, hey, let's play this. And this isn't necessarily one of these games, and Clef, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it, do, it doesn't, you're setting yourself up and you're planning all these things, and that can be very rewarding, but it's not necessarily one of those games that we talk about sometimes where they're combo heavy, where you get to pull off this, that then you do this, and then you do this all at one turn that makes you feel pretty... Uh, pretty pleased with yourself and satisfied it's not right. one of those endorphin games like right, that yeah, those feel-good moments that i kind of talk about or whatever like that you can have in brass you know where you right really set yourself up um yeah no i agree with you i mean you maybe could try to set something up like maybe at the end of a round and then turn around the next round and try to get first player but i just never really even you know didn't catch myself ever thinking that ever uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I definitely don't, it doesn't have that combo-ish type of that feel. Yeah. What was your, what would be your rating then for the game? This is, this is tough. And you know, I mean, I, I hear exactly what you guys are saying and I want to argue against you guys, but, but I, but I can't, I, I, I think I like this game more than you guys. I mean, I spent $110 on it. So hopefully I, I you know, <laughs> that might help me like it a little bit more. Um, you know, it's it, it has some interesting things. I still feel like there's some things I can explore. I mean, I know I was talking to my friend Dan the other day, and we were wondering like what it would be like if maybe you tried to plug up the other opponent's factories. You know, instead of building your own factories, try to you know build in theirs and just plug theirs up. You know, there's things that you could do different. But I'm kind of with you guys in the fact that w- what is there is there. I mean, you're pretty much there's not a lot of huge swings or changes in the game and you're not really having all that much of a ooh look at this amazing move i just did it's hey i'm planting or hey i'm you know i'm building a commodity you know or i'm you know i'm producing a commodity or i'm going over the world there's just not a lot of super like oh my goodness and the spaces are not um you know, besides the Emperor track, which we didn't talk anything about, but besides that, there's not any spaces that are you block anybody off of. You know, it's you, you mm-hmm. everybody can do all the spaces. So there's not those things that really make me go, yes, you know, in this game. It just makes me go, cool, you know, type of thing. I, I'd almost say this is kind of like a Concordia for me. It's good. You're crazy. I, I'm not. I'm not saying compared to Concordia. I'm saying as for what I say that feel about a Concordia. Right, right, right. It just. It's good. I like it. There's good Euro mechanisms in it. I'm a little bit higher than you. I'm gonna go four. I'm gonna rate it a four because I'm a little bit higher on it than you guys are. It's not a game I'm ready to get rid of. I still feel like I want to try to play this some more. I would like to play it with people who know how to play it because then I think it would maybe make it a little bit more you know, enjoyable where I don't have to deal with that teach, which is obviously long. Right. But, uh, I, I like, but can I say this is going to be in my top 10 for the year? I can't say that right now. I cannot mm. say that right now. And after the first couple of plays, I think I would have, 
but the more plays, I don't know. Maybe it's revealing himself as, as not as good as I thought it was at first. So do you think if you wouldn't have paid 110 bucks for it and there wasn't just 1,000 copies that you may be at a three? No, 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 no. I was joking about that. I, I don't care what I paid for okay. the game. That, that makes zero difference to me. Obviously, I mean, yes, I paid that money, but if if the game was terrible or I didn't like it, I would say the game was terrible. I don't care. Cliff's usually um, pretty good about that stuff, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, makes... I can sometimes be swayed by what what I paid for a game, <clears> I, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I actually <laughs> I actually wanted to get that out the other day. I like that game. Um, but, no, I it, it's a four. It is definitely, there's no question about it. I enjoy it. I'm keeping it in my collection. It's definitely a game that I want to play more. Might be a little bit before I want to get it back out. But yeah, I'm, I would solidly say a four, no matter if I'd have gotten it handed to me for free or whether I paid a hundred bucks for it, it's still going to be a four. And I'm not even necessarily saying that that's a bad thing. Um, Cause I mean, there, there are games that I have bought and <laughs> once I get it home and I play it, it's like, I really want to like this game, but I don't like it. Yeah. And you keep trying to like the game. Yeah. This is just, definitely not that. That's I not mean, that no, case no, of okay, that no, here. Yeah. No, absolutely not. All right. Well, our review for Yinshi, the Shining Ming Dynasty, by Rola and Kostya, and from Spielworks Games, Richie gives it a three, Chad gives it a three, and we have a four from Clef. Real quick, I'm going to finish this off by saying, you know, if Rola and Kostya do something new, I'm definitely on board with looking for what they have new that's coming out. I'll say that much. Would you agree for sure. with that? Yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, I, I feel like that, you know, and a lot of times new designers, you know, you're, you're trying something new out. You know, not everybody's going to hit it out of the park like Ryan Courtney with Pipeline. You know, they're, they're going to need some time and, you know, they'll build up and make another one. <laughs> Ryan, I love you, buddy. I'm just I'm giving you a little, <laughs> little, 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 little pub there. <laughs> well, one last thing. If you like us, tell a friend. You guys can be better friends after that. And if you really like us, give us a review, please. We love those too, and they mean a lot, and they help us out. So those are ways that you can help us if you're a, if you're a regular listener. And I need emails. And Richie needs, if you, come on, you want to hear his voice, right? That is that is Richie's specialty. And Punch Punch, we love you. Yeah, we love our Punch Punch. You guys hey, are awesome. And Punch Punch listeners, I'll give you a little nugget to look forward to. Ooh. Next time, we have another review coming. We're not going to do a draft next time. We have another review coming. We're going to review PAX Premier Second Edition. Ooh, is that by Cole Worley? Yeah. Ooh. PAX, doom, 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 doom. Ah, <laughs> savior of the universe. Doom, 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 doom. You never, you ever seen Flash Gordon? Flash. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Wow. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh. <laughs> this, this obscure reference lost on younger listeners is brought to you by Chad Jacobson. Thank you all for listening and have a good night. This is like a train wreck here. At the <laughs> <end of it. laughs> good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>